double down on what works and forget everything else until you're at like 50 million in sales. Yeah. Then you've got to think about, okay, we're tapping out this one channel. What else can we do? I remember, again, when I was running Native, I had a conversation with Brian Lee, who was the founder of Honest Company, and he's like, your Facebook ads will get you to 40 million in revenue, no problem. Then you need to start worrying about diversification. Just be good at one thing. You don't need to be Deion Sanders and be good at baseball and football. Just be good at football. When you're an expert at that, then you can look at other sports. Welcome to Season 2 of Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's get into it and start making money. Growing your business is hard, but Triple Whale is all about scaling your Shopify store to the moon and doing it profitably. Okay, what I'm supposed to read is, is it says use promo code SUPPLY15 to get 15% off when you sign up for Triple Whale at triplewhale.com. But I really mean DM me on Twitter and I will get you 20%. I'm the go fight the uh, CEO and I'm going to be like, get 20% off of these guys. So just DM me and I'll get you 20%. Let's start with um, Buy With Prime. Why don't you start by telling everyone what, oh, what Buy With Prime is, just as a refresher. Yeah, so Buy With Prime is basically, it just came out from Amazon not too long ago and essentially allows you to pretty quickly like click a button and it drops you into Amazon's checkout flow of whatever that product is. The pros were that you're going into like probably the most trusted checkout flow on the internet. And the con is you don't get that data, I don't think. And also, you know, you can only add one product at a time. You can't have multiple products in a single checkout. So just to be clear, you know, the buy with Prime button lives on your Shopify PDP or your, you know, WooCommerce PDP. Uh, People click it, you're taken to Amazon to check out. You do get the information. You do get their email address because Amazon is like, look, this is your customer customer. and not our customer. And I think like two weeks after they launched it, they created the ability to buy multiple products. Because, you know, one of the hard parts was people wouldn't increase their basket size. Like if you were buying deodorant, you'd buy one stick instead of multiple sticks because every stick would have to be checked out with separately on Amazon. So it was really annoying. But you said somebody had told you, somebody had gotten back to you with some results. Yeah. So, well, one was the the numbers. So somebody sent me the numbers and basically it's 3% of the order value. So whatever you're selling is 3% of that with a minimum of $1.50. On top of that, the fulfillment and shipping is $4.75 in order plus eight and a third cents per cubic foot for storage. And then you pay processing fees, full processing fees, 2.4 plus 30. In fact, they're probably making money on that, to be honest. I'm sure they are, yeah. And that that's basically your cost out the door just to use Buy With Prime. And so did the person that you got information from say, hey, here's how Buy With Prime worked for me versus like, you know, my own PDB? Like, did they run an A-B test? So I actually misspoke. It wasn't the buy with prime I had numbers on. It was the, those were the numbers I had. <laughs> the, okay, the interesting gotcha. Amazon tidbit though actually came from the same guy. Let me first read you his buy with prime response. He said, we're going to basically do our own version of buy with prime. So they're going to take paid traffic to a lander and then have an Amazon exclusive like offer. So an Amazon specific product bundle or offer that they're going to push on that lander. So they're basically, I think they're going to use the affiliate link and just get a percentage back as well. And also they'll understand like who's, who's buying that way. So they're driving traffic to a website that's a landing page that like links to Amazon and you click it over and you head over to Amazon and make a purchase. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I always like um, wondered what, what e-commerce brands should be doing here. Like, should they ever just drive traffic directly to Amazon? Like, you know, if you send an email, should you send an email that links directly to Amazon so people are more likely to check out? Or should you do it to your own website? Particularly if you already, you know, have their email address, you can already communicate with them. You don't know that they purchased again, but I think there is some value in terms of making it really easy and fast for the consumer. Yeah, I also think too a huge opportunity to to drive to Amazon is like people who you've repeatedly tried to get to purchase but haven't purchased on your site, but they've shown intent or you know they've signed up for your email list. I think that's a great segment to push to Amazon too. Yeah, that is a great segment. On the Amazon note too, uh, one other thing that was interesting. This guy said same day shipping as a badge on the Amazon page has a thirty one percent conversion rate improvement over. Prime regular two day shipping, really thirty one percent is better. Like same day shipping means you get it the same day, not even that it's delivered in two days, but just that it ships the same day on Amazon. Like, what does Amazon, Amazon say? It sh- actually, it might be it might be same day delivery too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be same day delivery, as it because like you know Amazon's already delivering in two days. They're not shipping in two days, so it's got to be same day delivery. That makes sense because you're like, okay, I'm ready to purchase this more frequently. But I do think that there's value in terms of just having a badge on your PDP and cart page saying ships within 24 hours. Hundred percent. You know, another funny one I saw was ships within 24 hours with like a, a slowly blinking green light, basically to say like you know we're online, like we're working. Uh, where did you see that? It was like a, a landing page for a betting brand called Miracle Sheets or Miracle Brand. Uh, one of their landers yeah, had that. It guys. was like, yeah, it was slowly blinking green light, you know, ships same day, agents ready to answer questions, like very like old school stuff. That's awesome. Let me get, do a little bit of structure that we got here. So one is I'd love to talk about some other great website features. Two is, I remember last time we chatted, we chatted about landing pages and you were talking about some like great landing page features that you had used in the past for hooks. And um, I'd love to go through a little bit of that. And then I had an e-commerce brunch um, yesterday. Oh, I want to hear about that actually. Was you said it was the best? The yeah, best, the best one this year. I came to. out of it. I was like so angry and so pumped up. I'm all, I always get angry because I'm like, I'm missing these marketing opportunities. So I get fucked. I get so upset at everybody because I'm like, this yeah. is such a great idea. Why the fuck am I not doing it? So I, I want to get into that as well. Awesome. But you you talked about uh, great web features. Maybe we can start there. You said uh, you know that feature was on Miracle Sheets. Yeah. One that I've seen that I think is really great is this company called Curie Bod, which you know ironically sells a deodorant. Yeah. I'm all over those uh, these deodorant brands. One of the features that she has is you know she was on Shark Tank, like the, uh, Sarah was on Shark Tank, and she created this feature or like you know she there's this plugin where, that she uses where she has a a little bit of herself, like a video of herself that she's recorded on the bottom right of her screen whenever you load curiebod.com. And she starts by going, hey, this is Sarah. And it's so good because one, chances are you've heard about this brand from Shark Tank. So all of a sudden you're seeing the same person you saw on Shark Tank right here. And second, somebody going like this in a camera, like waving like this gets your attention. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Uh, I think it's really effective. I want to ask Sarah about a little bit more of the, about the details, uh, but I think it's a great idea and more people should do this, particularly because it builds a lot of like resonance between the consumer and the brand owner. You realize this brand is not owned by some like nameless, faceless corporation, but it's owned by a person. So I think that's a great idea. I think people should do this more often on like even customer service pages. Like, hey, uh, I'm so sorry you don't like, you know, you're about to email us. Uh, you know, we want to help you. I'm so sorry that we made a mistake. 
you know, basically putting a, a face to the brand, I think it'll reduce return rates and just make your customer service way nicer as opposed to all these people who are complete bitches to you when, you, when they email into your customer service inbox. So it's actually powered by this company called Tolstoy. You'll love to learn that these are ex-Yotpo guys. And, Get the um, fuck out of <laughs> It's actually, it's a really interesting company. I've watched them for, for kind of a while. So they're, I, I just opened up a deck that they sent probably like four or five months ago. And it looks like for one of the brands they work with, it has a 9% conversion uplift with just having the, the widget on the site. So I'm not sure if that's... I'm assuming that's 9% of their current conversion rate went up. But then conversion uplift for people who actually press play and watch some of it goes up 160%, basically 1.6 times more likely to purchase. That's a lot. Um, Quite a bit. You know, I, whenever I see numbers in decks, I always take them with a little bit of grain of salt because I'm like, you know, when we were trying to raise money, somebody was like, um, I was like, look, our repeat purchase rate sucks. It was super early in the business. And I was like, our repeat purchase rate sucks. And the guy, uh, like this investor that we were talking to, he was helping us prepare our pitch. He's like, anybody who's purchased two deodorants in one package, you can count them as a repeat customer because they purchased two. And I was like, right. That makes me feel very, you know, uh, nervous. Like I, I don't feel comfortable with that. But like, you know, yeah. they were basically like, you can do whatever you want. This is a deck. No one's going to diligence it. Put whatever you want here. You can say you have a hundred percent repeat purchase rate. And I was like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with this. I saw this feature on Kiri Bond. I was like, ah, oh, this is really good, particularly if you're a Shark Tank brand, because like people know your face, right? Because you were on the show, and that's probably why they found out about you. Let me just try and get some more information about Tolstoy because I think it's really effective tool that these guys have. Totally. I think you added something on here called shopping like TikTok feed on our agenda, right? In terms of great web features. I feel like over the last year or year and a half, there's been at least 12 or 13 startups that are doing like live video or video commerce for your Shopify site or something like that. There was one that was like an app, a standalone app called Flip or Flip It, something like that. And then there's another one that I think is just kind of like another Shopify site plugin but both kind of create this TikTok-like experience when you shop. Kind of similar to like Jesse's Kahani, where you have yeah, the stories on the site. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I haven't run like a, a serious test to a store that gets a bunch of paid traffic. I think there's a huge difference between looking at metrics from stores that run a ton of paid traffic and serious like acquisition versus... Uh, those that are more retail brands and they have an e-commerce presence because that's also a very different behavior than somebody coming from an ad. But I haven't run any tests to see like what the actual lift is on a lot of these video things. I just know that there's no chance I'm watching any live video or like a long form video on a site, you know, to buy something for 20 bucks. I think it could be super powerful. Like uh, there's this company called Brewmate that I'm close with and I do a bunch of advisory work with. They have an amazing brew tank cooler. Okay. Uh, and right. I'm an investor. Let me uh, throw that out there as well. Uh, like, you know, uh, they have an amazing brew tank cooler that's way better than a Yeti cooler. Like, I remember when these guys were building it, they were like, we are testing 20 different types of wheels for this cooler to figure out what's the best to go through sand for a beach, gravel if you're camping, like concrete if you're in a construction site. They'd run all of these genuine tests. And I was like, wow, that's this seems like overkill. And they were like, no. This is it. We want like this, this product to be way better. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, nobody will ever be able to understand all of the amount of like research and diligence you actually did to make 
the tire decision here. Like I would have just thrown on two tires that I got from China right out of the gate and you guys have actually done all this work. And so I think that's something where like the video could be super powerful where they're like, look, let us show you why this product is really good. But yeah, it's not a $20 product. It's a $300 item. So it's definitely a lot more expensive. Did you see Clavio's launching reviews? No, I didn't see that. You mentioned that somewhere, I think. Or I, I think, think you I might have texted, texted it to you. I, did. I so didn't they, see that. I was just like, what's going on here? Yeah, a secret agency listener sent me a screenshot of basically like their blog post for how to put on reviews and whatnot. But I think it's really interesting that they're basically trying to eat more of the kind of the features that people go out for and, you know, creating their own like walled gardens. Yeah. And I bet they're going to remove like, you know, they're going to just figure out ways to like not pump Okendo and Yatpo. You know, like Yatpo, you can fill out the review in the email. They're probably going to remove that. That wouldn't be shocking to me. I guess like you're always sort of at the mercy of somebody else if you're so dependent on these platforms. But like, right. you know, if you're Clavio, Clavio uh, last raised money at a $10 billion valuation. Uh, and I think we talked about how it's all common yeah, stock. So you know, high. Shopify today is a $40 billion business. For Clavio to be worth 25% of Shopify, it can't just be an email business. Like they need to grow their TAM way beyond right. what like just email. So I understand where they're coming from. And I think it's really smart of them. They're like, look, let's go after all the big things that exist in Shopify because, you know, remember that conversation we had with Harley? He was like, hey, look, we're not going after. It sounded like they're not building a subscription app. And I tried to push Harley 50 times that time to be like, build a subscription app, do something for subscriptions. And he was sort of like, look, this doesn't cater to enough customers. Makes a ton of sense that Clavia is like, look, we're going to build the apps that are difficult. We've got the scale, the resources. And like, you know, we need to grow our TAM and we've already got the customer base, like the install base. And it's super easy. And I think that like, right. you know, you and I are investors. Yeah, you and I are investors in Okendo and you and I are, I think are also investors in Postscript. Like, you know, Clavio was like, look, we should go after text messages next, right? Like it makes sense because they're like, let's just eat other big apps lunches. I'm not sure if they'll constantly be able to do that because like, you know, it's probably better to be a company that's dedicated to SMS. You're probably going to do a better com- job than just a company that has SMS as a side business. But, you know, I understand where Clavio is coming from in this respect. Totally. Also, did you know that Yapo has subscriptions now? I did know Yapo has subscriptions. Um, I just learned yeah. that the other day. I don't even want to know what their pricing is. It might be 200% of the AOP. <laughs> yeah. um, but Starting tell me price. about, okay, you know, um, I, I guess I'd love to talk about landing page. You know, uh, last time we were talking about some great resources you created for, or like for Black Friday uh, ideas. I still remember that you're like, let's send you a Facebook event email. I'm like, I can't Hell believe yeah. This is such a genius idea. I, I still can't believe it. Like if you said that in e-commerce brunch, I would have thrown something at you. We I'm use like, that. I should be doing that. How come I'm not doing that? Everybody should be doing that. So uh, let's start with landing pages or I'm happy to start with the e-commerce brunch. Where, where should we start? You tell me. We can do landing pages. So I basically wrote out essentially the ingredients of a good landing page. I, I always think of a landing page as like this existing or this being and almost like a, a person that has to communicate to another person. So I wrote out the ingredients here. I can just go through the ingredients and then we can just chat through them. All right. So the first ingredient is the one that I think actually 99% of landing pages miss when they're created in-house, like created by the brand themselves, which is a good angle to buy the product. So it doesn't necessarily mean like you're just selling the product, you're selling really the angle, right? So for example, with um, Cadence, you're not necessarily just selling capsules or containers, you're selling an easy way to travel 
and go through TSA with your existing routine. Or, you know, the easiest way to make sure your hair doesn't dry out because now you're using hotel shampoo. So I think an angle is like the first big piece, the big ingredient. For sure. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you, you know, selling proposition is like uh, critical in order to get a product to move. Yeah. And then based on that too is, is copywriting. So I think a lot of landers, even if they do get an angle, a lot of their copywriting is so focused on like unique value props or selling propositions versus I think of it as a conveyor belt where step one is the value prop. The second person it goes to is like the customer. And then the third part of that is like the benefit the customer got out of the product's value prop. And that third part is what I think 95% of the page should be written in that POV of like, what is the benefit that they're getting? Not that it's um, TSA friendly. It's like you can travel with uh, travel with ease or you know put it in your carry-on. Got it. So you basically have to say, this is a benefit for you as opposed to like, generally, this is why you're going to use it. Exactly. Have you made them for Cadence before? Have you done a landing page? Oh, yeah. We, we just wrapped one up with hooks. So I was referencing that. All just Yeah, yeah. You got to make it like send everyone the link somehow or like when this pod drops, you got to put the link on Twitter so that everyone knows a landing page that they can get to. If everybody listening wants this, it's a five page PDF I have on all these ingredients with explanations. If anybody yeah, wants want it, just go to hooks.co. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay. Just okay. go to hooks.co and put your email in and I'll send it to you. Okay, awesome. All right, so the third one, third ingredient is social proof. Social proof is basically like, you know, what's better than us saying that we have the best deodorant is like all these other people saying that they have the best deodorant. And so there's three types of social proof that I like to hit. One is customer reviews. That's like your Okendo widget or screenshots of other reviews on the page itself. The second one I call the like established sources, but I put established in quotes because depending on who you're selling to, they'll see different sources as established versus, you know, not credible. So somebody yeah. might see like, you know, a very young person might see a YouTuber's name with a quote a lot more established than the New York Times, whereas an older person might see like, you know, Architectural Digest as more established than Pop Sugar. So depending on who you're selling to, put established sources, ideally with quotes or something that they said great about you. And then the third one is user-generated content. So especially if you're going for something that is like like the brewmate, you know, you want to show what it's like, whether it's in your gym bag, whether it's in your kitchen, you want to have like this UGC. And it's, and it's not the UGC that you see on Twitter where people are like, I'll create UGC for 500 bucks. This is people who are organically posting to places like TikTok or Instagram stories, and you either screenshot it and put it in there, or you you take the TikTok and just put that on the page itself. All right, so that's social proof. And then the next ingredient is basically the five main questions that every, every ad creative and every landing page needs to answer constantly until you've gotten this person all the way through checkout. And okay. those questions are, what is this product? Why does it exist? How does it benefit my life? Why is this product the best option for this in the market? And how soon can I get it if I order right now? The last one's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't do that. And I think that's what Shopify Fulfillment Network was actually trying to do, which is tell you what it is. You know what's crazy is I think a lot of people don't answer question number one, which is like, what is this product? I can't tell you the number of landing pages I get to. And I'm like, you obviously know, understand this business because you're running it. I'm in e-commerce and I don't know what you're selling. And I've already looked at the you know top half of your website. 
what's going on here? Like, it's a real failure on a lot of people's part to not describe what that business is. Totally. The next section is the shop section. So this is where somebody sees what they're getting and they, they hit add to cart or buy now or checkout. I like to think of the in and out menu. You've been to in and out, right? California yeah, burger. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. You get there, you go to McDonald's, there's like 67 options of what you can order. And then there's four different ways to make it a happy meal or whatever combo. You go to in and out and there's like three things you can get. And that's pretty much it. And if you're the guy that needs to you know, swap out ingredients, like you're looked down upon. So we like to keep it in and out style, which is basically minimal. You try to do the thinking for the customer in the sense of try to get ahead of like what they're thinking that becomes an objection to make the purchase and try to answer it in there. Ideally, also, you are sharing, you know, if it's a consumable product, you can share what's the cost per use or the cost per day. I remember with Hydrant, we did a test between a variety pack and a variety pack that said, you know, less than a dollar a day. And that one completely blew the other one away just by talking about the cost per use. Price. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the shop section. You want to, you want it to be full of information and objection handling, but at the same time, it has to be the cleanest, easiest to follow, you know, good hierarchy, good call outs within that section. Yeah. All right. So then the next one is basically, you know, it's actually two sections, but I just put it together because they're kind of the same. It's basically like, how does it work and what's inside? So if you're selling a product, you know, ideally over probably a hundred bucks, you really want to include everything that's coming in the box. Because again, that's another question that people have is, well, what's in the box? The other one is like, how does it work? And so, you know, whether it's something as simple as poopery, the poop spray, or a deodorant, or a bottle of water, whatever it is, you want to basically just outline, like, how does it work? You want to almost answer every kind of silly question somebody could have that would prevent them from buying right there. And one thing actually that we found that's super helpful in this is you really want to cater the what's inside and how it works to the angle and the consumer that you're going after with the specific page. So one thing we do is we have this like red carpet onboarding document. It's basically a five-page document that we have a researcher fill out every time we get a client. And it ends up being around eight or nine pages. And the idea is to combine like the goal of the brand. So let's say Roman says like, we're trying to sell this specific product to these type of men. Combining that goal with what we find around the internet and in our research and through their onboarding form, we'll kind of form like the how it works and the what's inside based off of that. So that helps a ton. And then the second to last spot is the brand story. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a founder story, although founder stories are just great for, you know, they just make it feel more human and like somebody's sure. actually behind the screen. But it could also just be like the the efficacy of the brand that you play off of. So like Ridge Wallet, for example, is a perfect example. You know, you don't go to their site and read about Sean and Connor. You go to their site and you know that you're getting a very high quality product and yeah. That's what they're known for is their quality. Yeah. And then the last one is just simple. It's basically pixels and scripts. So everything from making sure that you have a floating CTA as you scroll, you have smooth scroll enabled. So, you, you know, you have that scroll animation. Uh, you're passing through UTMs from the traffic coming in and the traffic going out. You're pixeled with Microsoft Clarity. So you can actually look at like heat maps and scroll depth maps and user recordings and then make sure all your other pixels, your attribution software, your ad pixels, Google pixels, all that stuff is on there. 
And that's pretty much a lander. Remember when we chatted and we said there was a $5,000, like we'd pay someone $5,000 to make sure all of our pixels were set up correctly. I'd mm-hmm. probably also pay $5,000 to make sure GA was optimized, like Google Analytics. Because Google Analytics is so hard to understand. I rarely use it because it's so, like, you know, the numbers never match up exactly to, to your Shopify store, or your WooCommerce store. There's trust issues I have. It's not very clear how to uh, break out, like, you know, mobile versus desktop, what product, the conversion rate, all that kind of stuff. So I think I'd pay for that as well, like, as a separate service. Totally. I think that was a great summary about what you just put in in terms of what, what should be in a landing page. When you were talking, I was pulling up uh, Athletic Greens as a landing page, and they just do a great job of hitting all of that. Like, they have, you, you know, customer testimonials, and they have, like, famous celebrities testimonials, then they're like, look, we're not just greens, we're like prebiotics and probiotics, like everything you were talking about, they were they did they did a great job of. And they do a great job also of like, you know, there's only three options. There's like, you know, the the regular one, the upsell, which they say is most popular, and then best value. So they're just trying to upsell you as well, which I think is a great like they just try and bundle it. They're like, let's get you going here. Really fantastic job on those landing pages. Totally. You were talking about uh, videos as well, like YouTube. Uh, like uh, w- what we did at Native is I put in a bunch of YouTube. Like we would send out an email asking for reviews, and then we said if you give us a video review, we'll give you a free stick of deodorant. You know, it would cost us ten dollars if you sent us a video review, and your video review had to be you holding your mobile phone. You had to show the stick of deodorant in the video, so everyone knew that you had it in your hand, and then you had to talk about the product. And it was so incredible because all these people were like sitting in their house, like in their bathroom uh, and using the deodorant. And they're like, you know, this is why I like it. This is what I switch from. It was so personal that I think it really helped us with conversions. I remember there was one woman, I forgot what her name was. And she was like, uh, you know, my name's Jackie and this is my son, Thomas. And, you know, I use native deodorant because I just had this son or I just had a boy and, you know, I want to be really, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. You got your son in here as well. It's such a personal moment. It's in your house. And I yeah. thought that was really, su- I thought that was super powerful. The one thing I think we did a really poor job of, and maybe it was just the timing, which was uh, like, I was just like focused sort of on that landing page as well. And I didn't do a good job of sort of saying, okay, you've hit our landing page. We've 60% convinced you to buy. Now we need to make sure that when you Google our brand, we've got it covered. You right. Google Athletic Greens, and I need to make sure that like the first thing is an ad and not somebody else talking shit about the brand. Right. And then also, not just Google, but also on YouTube. Like what we did not do is we didn't like when we launched for the first three years of native, I didn't have any YouTube influencers or I probably had very like, you know, maybe two. And so when you Google Nate or when you looked on YouTube and put a native deodorant, you didn't find anything. Now I feel like that's a really important part of the conversion cycle because people are like, I want a product review. And the way to get a product review isn't actually to search for it on Google. It's to search for it on YouTube and get like listen to an influencer talk about it. And so today, if I was starting a brand, I would go and hire five influencers and pay them each $100 to create YouTube videos about my product just so that when someone searched native deodorant on YouTube and it was a young brand, people would be like, okay, someone's tried it. Let's see what their experience was like. Yeah, totally agree. I think same thing goes for TikTok. TikTok is becoming such a big search engine. Shit, are you serious? TikTok oh, has, uh, I've never even searched TikTok. Really? I just thought it was this. I th- the only thing I've done oh, on TikTok is you this. Should, you should go open a, up TikTok and search native yeah. deodorant, and you'll probably see at least a thousand videos. Wow. That's bananas. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's really not a place that like a lot of brands are probably thinking about owning from a search perspective, you know? It's not. And the other thing too is like TikTok is also pushing in SEO actively. So like convincing your 
customers to make a TikTok review and also writing out a few points of why they like it, that would probably go a long way over the next you know, 12 to 18 months. Okay, yeah, that is great feedback. Growing your direct-to-consumer business can be tough. Having out-of-date or inaccurate data makes it even harder. That's why I'm using Triple Whale. Their customer insights, attribution, and profit tracking means I can scale my Shopify stores to the moon. Get a walkthrough on how Triple Whale can help you scale your store. Use promo code SUPPLY15 to get 15% off when you sign up at triplewhale.com. Or you can DM me on Twitter and I'm going to fight for 20% off. Let's talk about the brunch. The brunch was great because everyone there was all like either an owner of the brand or on the marketing side. And so sometimes we talk about like 3PLs and customer service and there's always different scales, right? Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, look, let's get a bunch of seed stage companies together because they're going to be able to help each other. And sometimes I'm like, let's get a bunch of publicly traded companies together because they're going to be able to help each other. The chances are the CEO of like, you know, I don't know, Allbirds isn't going to be super helpful to somebody who's just launching their brand because he's like so far removed from that at this point. Uh, so I was trying to like do a little bit of that, although, you know, there'll be a couple exceptions here and there. And uh, so yesterday was all CMOs or marketing guys. And so the first thing we talked about and the last thing we talked about was Facebook ads. And we're like, what's working on from a Facebook ad perspective? What's working from a direct mail perspective? Are people scaling Snapchat or Pinterest or TikTok ads? How much are people spending? You know, it's Advantage Plus shopping campaign. Like, you know, Facebook is pushing these Advantage Plus shopping campaigns and telling everyone to spend over 50% of their budget on Advantage Plus, And most people aren't getting there. And so that's why it was super interesting. And one of the things that uh, like there were two brands that are just opened up brick and mortar stores, one in West Hollywood and one in Santa Monica. And so it was interesting to find out what the economics were like. Like, how many sales do you need uh, in order to make a brick and mortar store super profitable? I don't want to re- reveal names just because I didn't get anyone's permission and I try and keep the brunches pretty confidential. But, like, you know, the guy, one of the guys is like, look, I want to do something really special with the store. Like, we need to get people in the door. There's a lot of foot traffic. How do you convert, convince that foot traffic to walk in the door? You know, can you have like, um, cornhole outside to get people to do it like can you have games outside the door so that people get excited and they're like well i'm not just this isn't just foot traffic anymore this is actually getting people to walk in the door and make a purchase like you know i don't know throw a dart and get 20 like you know you can get 10 percent off or 20 percent off or something to that effect so i thought that was really interesting that people were doing that and like great because you know a lot of stores are just like we're here somebody please come in and these guys were like let's get people in the door in an interesting way the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that a couple of these brands, I wish I'd known this before Black Friday, because I think it would have been a great Black Friday hack, is that they launch these promotions and they're like, win a free you know, vacation to Hawaii, which isn't that uncommon, but these guys had done more custom things. And then they ran a lot of paid traffic to it. And they're like, you know, put in your email address and get one entry. Make a purchase and every dollar that you purchase, you get an additional entry. So if you purchase $100, you get 100 entries. They're like, we ran paid traffic to the ad and the paid traffic was super profitable because we got a bunch of email addresses and that filled up our retargeting funnel and it also filled up our email funnel so we could hit these guys with Klaviyo emails. And people were like, oh, I should buy more of these. Or the, the more I buy, the more entries I get. So let me go ahead and buy more. But like, you know, the prices weren't a gift to Hawaii. The prices were something worth fifty or $100,000. And so it's larger businesses doing this and large businesses were like, look, we're going to spend a million dollars on ads running to this landing page to try and get email addresses and sales. And so the $100,000 gift that somebody will win isn't that big of a deal because we're spending a million dollars on ads. You know, you can't do it if you're like, we're giving away this $100,000. You know, we, we can't be, give away a, a, a Bugatti and then be like, we're spending $500 on ads. The Bugatti costs $3 million. You can't afford that. 
but you can if you're like, look, we're going to spend a million. So it's it's good for larger brands, but like you can if you're going to spend a million dollars running ads for a landing page, saying, hey, win a free you know a hundred thousand dollar gift, and you know we move forward from there. And so I thought wow. that was a really interesting landing page. There was this thing that I used to do at Native where uh, I remember the lottery got big one time and lottery, I think it's like the Powerball is like $1.6 billion this week or something like that. And we took this, it, we, we'd buy, uh, uh, you know, $20 of Powerball tickets and put on Instagram and say, if you like this post and tag a friend and we win, we will share the proceeds. We'll share the proceeds with anyone <laughs> who likes this post and tags a friend. That is genius. Before, like, it's, and like, you know, we had like 400 Instagram followers at Native when we did this. And then like, you know, we got 2000 comments on this post. And it cost us $20, you know, to get all that type of right. engagement because we just posted and people were like, okay, I see what it is. And like, you know, yeah, the chance of winning are none, but, but it like, costs why nothing. not? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And it's also fun to tag a friend. Like if I saw that, I would tag you because it's like, right. this is a fun thing to do. It's, it's like not fun, me trying yeah. to get you to buy something. It's me trying to be like, let's all win a ton of money, yeah. <clears throat> which we have no chance of winning, but it'll be a really good uh, good thing to do. That's one thing I, I think... I like love seeing in the wild is where are the opportunities that actually don't drive friction? It's like, it's something they're going to do anyways, or it wouldn't cost them anything. It wouldn't really like take anything, whether it's time or resources or money that like you get their opt in or you get them excited about. Yeah. Really hard to get that done. The shopping giveaway with the trip is also really interesting. I've found that before when we had tried to run like a contest of basically just enter your email. The quality of traffic you get is pretty shitty. Uh, so like they'll, bad, yeah. they'll never open your email again. You know, they're just freeloaders. Yeah. But I think this way, because they're buying and they're basically probably buying at a higher AOV. So they're trying to get these tickets into a raffle. And the dollar a ticket is genius because in your head, if you're like, I got a hundred tickets, my chances are pretty high. Like that's just the common thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like, okay, let me go ahead and buy this. There's another reward where I might end up winning this thing. Right. It is a great idea. And I thought that was really smart. And they were just like, you know, they they ran into qualified traffic so to try and keep that stuff high as opposed to like, you know, just freeloaders. And to, right. you're right. I've, I've done a bunch of these with freeloaders. Like I once did it with Cosmo Magazine at Native. And they're like, we're going to get 2 million entries. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. You're <laughs> Cosmo Magazine. I've got no idea what you guys are going to do. So that sounds good. And then they got us like 40. And I was like, you guys have no idea how shitty your brand is. Yeah. You weren't even off by like one order or two orders of magnitude. You were useless. I cannot wait for this brand to die. Like when you die, when Cosmo has a funeral and like there's a gravestone, I'm going to go urinate on the gravestone of Cosmo <laughs> magazine because you guys don't understand. Like you guys got me 40 of these. I think I remember the same thing happened with Inside Hook. We used to do this. Actually, we did this once really well at Caskers. I'm not sure why I didn't mention this. So Caskers was my first business. We sold alcohol online. And we said, we're giving away a free bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, sign up, put in your email address, and we're going to select somebody to win. And Pappy Van Winkle, if you're not familiar with it, it's like this um, bourbon that is really hard to get in the United States. Everyone loves it. You know, you can buy it for three hundred dollars a bottle. You know, they release they release them in November. They release like you know five bottles per state. You can buy them for three hundred dollars each. But on the re- secondary market, they sell for five thousand dollars. It's like a ridiculous wow. markup, and nobody can even like it's even hard to find them for five thousand dollars on the secondary market. You got to like know a guy who knows a guy. And so we did this like, where we're like, get a free bottle of Pappy Van, win a free bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, give us your email address. And I think we did ones where like you know get an extra entry if you purchase on Friday or something to that effect. And it was super, super helpful for us. Huge open rates, 
huge like you know opt-in entry like you know everyone wanted to sign up for it because and it was right on brand for us because totally. if you wanted a bottle of pappy you probably like the other liquor that we sold and so you, it was like a good good way to get you into the door and try and sell you something else it's not always possible for every brand like i keep thinking about what would we do at native to replicate this and i can't think of anything that would be similar but like if you are a brand that like you know where there's a really high value pr- product in your category, and you can uh, you know offer that that's really uh, fantastic. Uh, then you can do it and make uh, have the economics make sense. Yeah, incentivizing purchase I think can be good as long as they are purchasing. Or yeah, incentivizing you know like a in a first party data is always good as long as there's a purchase behind it. But yeah, I remember running uh, like some stuff with the skim or just even like a collective of other, you know five other brands, and they're like you know we're going to send traffic here. And everybody's going to, you know, drive 10,000 signups. We're all going to get 50,000 emails. And it's like, it's just the worst traffic quality that are never going to buy again. It can be very, very poor if you don't do it well. Yeah. Um, you know, my friends at Japan Crate also, uh, I, I, let's go into the tour questions in one second. My friends at Japan yeah. Crate also did something like this where they're like, we're going to give a trip to Japan. Like, you know, two business class tickets. And basically they were like, wow. they sell a box where they're like, it's a subscription box where you get a bunch of products that are like from Japan that have like, you know, Japanese, you don't even know what you're like, it's candy and like drinks and like sodas. And there's a bunch of Japanophiles. And so they like love this, these items. But for you and I, we couldn't even read what it is, right? Like here's a soda. I don't know what's, is, is it orange flavored or bubblegum flavored? I'm right. going to know when it touches my lips. Right. But, um, you know, they were basically like, we're giving away a free trip to Japan. And that was a great like, you know, sign up feature for them. Yeah, but okay, let's really get to good. the Twitter questions. Okay. So I tweeted out and said, we're going to take some questions. What should we answer? There's actually a few that I wrote down here. So how effective is like paying for sampling of your brand? Did you ever do that at Native where you like paid for sampling? Like we give them to FabFitFun, for instance, and we pay FabFitFun a dollar. And I don't think it's even that. I think it's like you pay a firm that basically says like, I've seen this with Honest Company, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they have this thing where it's like you can basically commit to getting a free sample in exchange for a review. But it's like there's no real guidelines to write the review. But it's like some agency is making money, they're moving sample size product, and they're just collecting a ton of emails out of it. Yeah, Amazon has this as well, where they're like, we'll give away, you know, products through our Vine influencer program, and those people will write reviews. And basically, you know, you're going to get a four or five star review. If your product is garbage, it'll be a four star. If it's good, it'll be if it's okay, it'll be five star. If it kills me, it'll be the three star. Um, (laughs) And so we never did any of that. Although there are like, you know, I still know of and hear of a bunch of like backdoor Amazon review things where basically, you know, there's 100 guys in a network. All of them are told, hey, if you purchase purchase this on Amazon, you'll get a Venmo to make like, you know, for the cost of it and um, leave a five star review. And so that still exists. We never participated in any of like the reviews that you're talking about where we give a free product to get a free review. We're like, you know, we're just going to sell this product instead. We'd rather have the money. Uh, But I know that like P&G does a bunch of that, especially with like Pampers. Pampers is big because they get you in hospitals. So P&G does a bunch of like sampling in hospitals or like even giving away free diapers to hospitals. So that like, you know, if you're a new mother and you're like, oh, wow, the hospital gave my baby boy uh, Pampers, you know what I should do when I get home is use Pampers. Yeah, it's that easy signal of trust. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anyone do it at a, of like very successful. I've never seen that be a massive uh, channel for anyone. Yeah, I don't think I've actually ever seen it work well. Like especially when they're when they're hounding you to do a sampling program, it's usually never good. Yeah. 
All right. So this one came from Dolan. Thoughts on Liquid Death's strategy of sending checkouts from their site to Amazon to boost their sales velocity in organic rankings. I'm not sure if they boost their Amazon like their organic rankings because I think it goes directly to the PDP. So like you know, yeah, boost their organic rankings in terms of like being number one seller, but not in terms of the SEO because it doesn't go to a search page. To be honest, I think they do it because it's cheaper to ship through Amazon probably with them than it is like to ship a 12 pack of water directly to your door through their own 3PL provider, which would cost a fortune. I think that's why they do it, but I'm not positive. I think it's a smart strategy. Like, you know, it's really hard to make a liquid product work, like, you know, Olipop and all those types of businesses. And so I understand why you go to Amazon if you're one of these big businesses. I think it's for a few reasons. I think number one, like you said, shipping water is insanely expensive. Yeah. And or shipping any liquid for that matter is very expensive. The second one is a direct to consumer beverage business requires a pretty solid like operations and let's not fuck this up person. It's very hard to do that if you're trying to move quick. And I think their strategy too is heavy, heavy retail live yeah. events. Their whole thing is yeah. like, we want to be where the party is. Um, so I think they they just deprioritize you know, like they, they don't need to build a Shopify store if they can just send people to Amazon. Like that's what their focus is. And that's the right focus too. Like I see, them, I see them in a bunch of brick and mortar stores. I see them at every event now instead of like bottles of water. It's a great idea. Like they're like, look, double down on what's working and what's working is events and brick and mortar. And what's, you know, probably okay, but not amazing is on like, you know, uh, direct to consumer sales. So they're like, okay, why are we going to spend a ton of time on this? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's their MO. Totally. All right, the next one uh, from Josh. Best use case of creators from your current portfolio. So maybe like brands you've seen, brands you've invested in. How are they best using creators? Yeah, I feel like you've got a great, uh, you know, like Chamberlain Coffee and all those things. But Brewmate has done like limited edition drops with influencers that have gone really well for them. Uh, and I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the details of like okay, this is how they select an influencer, but they're not like the Kim Kardashians of the world. They're like influencers, you know, I've kind of heard of, but they'll have, or like, you know, 40,000 or 100,000 followers. And they're like, hey, we're doing this drop with this influencer and it sells out in a quarter second. And so they've done a great job of it. But I would imagine you've got much better, uh, a much better answer to that because so many of the people you work with work with such amazing influencers. Like I remember you were with in Barcode and with Barcode was like... Um, wasn't Kyle Kyrie Kuzma. Irving? Kyle Kuzman. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think there's a few ways. One is like you have the Chamberlain coffee style, right? Like co-founder mm-hmm. slash face slash top of funnel. The other way, and, and that's like expensive either in equity or in fees or both. Yeah. I think the most accessible use case is either product drops or product collabs. Like we talked about the sniff one. Today I talked yeah. to the head of partnerships at at Crocs. And she was saying basically the same thing Sniff said, like, it's a great way to reach a new audience. And it's a great way to capitalize on somebody who already likes your product too. I think for bigger brands like Sniff or for Crocs, it's great to remain relevant too. Like Crocs are irrelevant, except they're like, you know, they did one with KFC that like, we're supposed to smell like, have you seen this one with the one with KFC? I tried to buy them because I was like, Crocs are ridiculous. <laughs> These uh, have like little chicken wings on them. Yeah. And they're supposed to smell like fried chicken. And I was like, this is amazing. And they sold out in one second. Like, you know, Crocs is an irrelevant brand, but when it's able to do these types of partnerships, it becomes super relevant right away. Totally. And uh, like the same thing with like Taco Bell. Like you're like Taco Bell. And then they did those Doritos things. And you're like, okay, yeah. this is a pretty good idea now. 
And I think that they're doing a great, like, you know, if I were Reebok, I would start doing Reeboks with everybody. You know, I do yeah. Reeboks with Sniff. I do, you know, to be like, look, we're a young brand again. We're relevant again. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's that's a huge one. But I think the easiest way to do it is like, uh, and this doesn't even have to be huge influencers, people with followings, but like go find people who love to create content, even on TikTok, just like search, you know, search for people who are just creating content because they love creating content, shoot them your product, have them make content for you and run it from their handles or, or run it from their accounts or run it as a spark ad on TikTok and just like whitelist their profile with their content. That I think is the easiest way to use creators in a way that's like pretty high probability it's going to work. It's going to work at least better than whatever else you're running in most cases. But it also just makes your brand, again, feel cool. Yeah, there used to be some um, marketplace where you could whitelist uh, ads with like uh, famous people. So you could like get Derek Fisher. I remember Derek Fisher was on there and I was like, wow, this guy played for the Lakers. And I think he did some weird stuff. But uh, I was like, wow, you can get access to Derek Fisher's Facebook page and Instagram account and run ads through as Derek Fisher. And I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And like, that's you know, you talk, yeah, you can target like his audience, right? And his followers. Right. And for a while, like, you know, you'll have success. Like, you know, he might be like, look, I've got a million followers on Instagram. You know, that's a decent amount of money you can spend for a bit and get a bunch of sales from them. Um, so I think that, that there is a bunch of value in that, those types of collaborations and particularly whitelisting. When I was at Hint, we started working with this YouTuber named Sarah Dietschy. And, you know, we paid her to create content and we started running the ad from her page. So the, the ad itself had such a longer shelf life coming from her page versus the brand page. And secondly was the click-through rate was so much higher coming from a, a person versus coming yeah. from the brand, right? And it's yeah. like, you either have content that also feels native in the feed when creators make it, but also has a a higher click-through rate as a result versus like just a billboard in your feed. Great point. You know, uh, just one uh, one other touch point on collabs. There's this company called Naked Wines. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. They're, they do yeah. like wine subscriptions. They're here in New York. I think their number one like um, customer acquisition channel is um, like inserts in other companies' boxes. Like they reach out to the native and they're like, hey, can we put an insert in all of your boxes? And we'll pay you like an $88 CPM or something like that. But they're like, all right, we don't advertise on Facebook. All we do is put inserts in other people's boxes. Oh, I was thinking of a different brand. Yeah, this brand is interesting. You know, there was this thing that I was thinking about the other day, which is like, you don't need seven channels of advertising to win or to like make, you know, 5 million bucks, 10 million bucks. You just need to double down on one thing that you're really good at. In their case, it was the box inserts. I think for other brands like Liquid Death, it's retail and events. Uh, for some of us, it's Facebook. But you just got to get really good at one thing. I couldn't agree more with that. Like double down on what works and forget everything else until you're at like 50 million in sales. Yeah. Then you got to think about, okay, we're tapping out this one channel. What else can we do? I remember, again, when I was running Native, I had a conversation with Brian Lee, who was the founder of Honest Company. And he's like, your Facebook ads will get you to 40 million in revenue, no problem. And I was like, wow, I wasn't sure when they would end. And he's like, then you need to start worrying about diversification. When, you know, I think we were doing like 5 million a year at that point. And he's like, why are you worried about diversification now? Just be good at one thing. You don't need to be Deion Sanders and be good at baseball and football. Just be good at football and shut right. up and be, you're going to be, when you're an expert at that, then you can look at other sports. Seeing other brands take risks on new channels and then crush it is also pretty interesting. Like seeing a brand test TV. And, and just see it work. And now it's like, yeah. they've just added so much scale, efficient scale yeah. to, their, to their marketing stack. 
Yeah. And like, you know, all that stuff takes time and dollars to test and make sense. Yeah. So like, that's why if you're good at something, double down on it until you've got the time and resources to do more. Don't be like, you know what? Facebook is kind of working or TV is working or brick and mortar is working. Let's do these three other things and see what else can work. Like you just don't have the resources when you're a young business that's doing under 20 million a year in revenue. Agreed. Okay. Let's take one more Twitter question. And I, I know what it is, which is uh, why did you shave the beard? What happened to that thing? <laughs> All right. The you beard know, shape was like, accidental. you're no longer a moolah. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're at a meeting at the mosque on Friday and we're like, get this guy <laughs> out of here. So, you know, that dinner series we go to in the Upper East Side? Yeah. He was throwing a holiday party or a Halloween party. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, all right, I got to, you know, I got to trim up this beard. I've been pretty lazy about going to get a haircut. Somebody actually recommended just getting the barber to come here, which sounds pretty baller to me. But yeah, anyways, I was trying baller. to- Yeah. I was trying to trim the beard, you know, just like clean it up a little bit. And I kind of went a little bit too close to the chin and the spot it got, it was just, there was no going back from there. I literally stared in the mirror for like three and a half minutes because I was like, it's been, it's been over a year that I've just had this beard here. And now I've got to take it all off for this Halloween haunted house party. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's a good reason. I've had I've done that a couple of times myself. And here's the here's what you do when that happens: you create a handlebar mustache. Yeah, you got to go with the handlebar. I debated mustache. that too. I debated it's it. It's so bad at like everyone finds you repulsive, except yourself, where you're like, I'm the coolest guy in the world. It's such <laughs> yeah. a big dick energy to be like, look, I have this handlebar mustache. It is repulsive to everybody, and I couldn't care less. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta make sure every time you see somebody, you gotta go, hey, brother. <laughs> and that's, that's the only thing you can say with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> Especially a dive bars in New York City. You have to be like, hey, brother, can I get a bush light? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a, a Heineken. Yeah. Um, all right. That was a pretty fun pod. Yeah, this was great. I liked it because we had less of an agenda going in. and Yeah, no like, agenda. Hey. I'm curious what yeah. people are going to think because I think a lot of the feedback I've gotten is people love how fast paced and on time this thing is, but... Ben's not here, so we've we had no police, so we've yeah, just kind of right. done our own thing. Took so it at our own pace. You can yeah. blame Maybe Ben if you don't like up. this. Yeah. Blame Ben. <laughs> All right, awesome. Appreciate your time, guys. Uh, looking forward to episode six coming up next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one. 